Can you, do y'all believe that? When you are not in spiritual neutral, you're unstoppable. Can I hear an amen? amen. You believe that. You got to believe that by yourself because sometimes even when you're not in spiritual neutral, you may feel like you're not going anywhere, but God's got you just where he wants you in there. It's when you're in spiritual neutral and you could care less about God. You take a time out from God. How many of you honestly have ever been so overwhelmed with life and now you even look back and say, this was not the time to do it. But how many of y'all remember ever taking a time out with God? Who would be honest? How'd that work for you? You know what happened? It didn't work at all because the currents of the world's pulling you back. But what they're pulling you to is the wrong thing. You're not going forward for God. You're not going in a different direction for God. You're going nowhere. And he reminded me in that, that the only way that powerful boat with the powerful motor was ever going to be tied down and become helpless as far as going anywhere was if it was in neutral. Now, obviously in docking a boat, I want it to go neutral, but in our spiritual walk, there is no neutral. We're moving. You know, when we get docked, when is it? Once you're born again, dude, you're on the clock for Christ. You are moving forward. He's got your throttle as we're going to look at. When are you docked as a believer? When do you finally dock? Yeah. When you're dead, you dock. When you go to heaven, it's like, ah, and even there, you're not going to be, you're going to be moving for him, but you're not going to get tired. You're not going to get sleepy. You're not going to get worn out. You're not going to be overwhelmed. It's going to be awesome. You're, you're done being docked, actually, when it comes down to it. You're done. So once you gave your life to Christ, there's no spiritual neutral ever again. And so in that, again, he said to me, uh, as, I'm, as I'm holding on, he said, the only way this boat is going to ever be tied up in the world when we go in spiritual neutral wants to tie us to the dock. They would love to tie every Bible-believing Christian. They would love to tie every born-again Christian. The devil through this world system would like to attract your flesh and tie every church member, everyone who belongs to the body of Christ, tie them to a dock so that when somebody went to look at Christ, they saw a bunch of boats tied to a dock doing nothing. But God's got big plans for us. You can't do very much at the dock. In fact, you stay tied to the dock. Guess what happens? all the people wanting to get out and do something, you're in their way. And so when we're in spiritual neutral, dude, we're causing all kinds of problems. We're in the way and we can't afford to be in spiritual neutral. And so that's what God was showing me in all of that. And then we came to the passage of scripture and he said, here's why I was showing it to you. Here's the relevance of it. He said, you were not purchased to be tied up at the dock in idol. And as we start Ephesians chapter four, I told you last week that the first three chapters of Ephesians is very much like Paul's writing, the apostle Paul's writing. He does it in Romans, he does it in Galatians, does it every book he writes, he comes and gives you correct doctrine. Because if you don't know what God wants you to do, you can't do what God wants you to do. And so again, we've talked before about the, the rowboat. Anybody ever been in a rowboat before? right? You're in a rowboat and you're pulling both oars. You're going, all right? But what happens if all you do is pull one oar? What happens? Yeah, you're going, well, all right, so I'm going in circles. What if I pull the other oar? I'm going in circles the other way. And so those two oars in our life are, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? And if that's all you're doing is asking them, what do you want me to do? You're going where? In circles. No, you're going somewhere. You're going in circles. And, and, and you've got no control. But what if at the same time, you're just, I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. But he never told you to do it. Where are you going? In circles. But our Christian walk is this, man. We've got both hands on both oars. We put it out and we pull them. What do you want me to do now, God? And we do it. And is it usually five or six strokes at a time, Ryan? Or is it one stroke at a time? One. But do you know, Ryan, there are some people that actually get impatient with God? And they want 10, 12, 14, 15 strokes. Not you guys, right? How many of y'all are content one stroke at a time? In that, man, that's why I love you guys. Y'all aren't like all them other impatient Christians. I know I'm being facetious for those of you. How many of y'all absolutely love if God would just give you the whole GPS plotting of the rest of your life? Yeah, you think you would like that, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't. He knows what he's doing. And so he says, you say, what do you want me to do now? And God reveals it. And you do it, and you pull both oars. But guess what? When you're pulling both oars, which way are you going? Can you see where you're going? 
No, you can't see where you're going. And in order to see where you're going, what would you have to do as far as rowing is concerned? Stop. You'd have to put yourself in spiritual neutral, wouldn't you? To be able to see where you're going. So you see what the problem is with all of us control freaks? You see what the problem is? When we want to know where we're going, we want to know God's plan. If God wants you to see it, he'd put eyes in the back of your head. You'd be a teacher or mom, right? No, I'm just joking, but... Literally, that's not what he wants. It's called faith. What do you want me to do? Well, why am I going to do that? Anybody ever ask God that before you pull the oar? Like, well, until you give me an explanation, I'm not pulling both oars. You know, I know what you want me to do, but I'm going to do it. No, what do you want me to do now, God? Do it. And in faith, because you walk with him, because you know what his voice sounds like. You know what it's like to walk with him from experience. You have that gnosko, that experiential knowledge. You know him and he knows you. You pull the oar. You pull both of them. And as you're moving backwards, you know what? Are you supposed to really care where you're going? Not really. The world tells you that. Your, your college degree tells you that. Your company tells you that. All that. And, and again, I'm not saying don't set goals. We set goals. And there's many things in Proverbs about setting goals. But there's also many things that Proverbs says, don't get ticked off when your goals don't work out. Don't get ticked off when God takes you a different direction. How many of y'all ever had God take you a different direction? Yeah. And how many of y'all are grateful God did do that? Absolutely. So again, we trust in him to resurrect us when we're dead and have no breath and no muscle memory, no, no nothing. We're counting on him to raise us from the dead. Why can't we trust him now? You're trusting for the big, how many of y'all trust him for the big stuff? Then trust him for the everyday little stuff that is big stuff. Because you can't trust him for that. I don't know how in the world you're thinking you're going to trust him when you can't do anything. But pulling both oars, we're going. What do you, do you know where you're going? Not really. And if you stop rowing and you see the direction, you're like, well, I think I'd like to go over there a little bit. Anybody ever do that? So you change course, the, the course, right? You change it and say, oh, God's leading me over here. And you stop and like, oh, he's leading me over. No, is that God leading you? No, it's you leading God. And God's like, you know what? It's either going to be you or it's going to be me. You want to do it? Do it. If you want me to do it, I'll do it. There's no in-between in that. It's all or nothing. There's no neutral. That's putting yourself in neutral with God. No, you're going somewhere. You're doing something, but you're neutral with God. And, and so again, do you know where you're going? Not really when you follow him. Do you know, even know where you're at when you're in a rowboat? <laughs> Sort of. You know there's water. You're in the water, right? Isn't that right? I'm in the water. Okay, cool. And, and I see a little bit here and there. But what do you know for sure when you're in that rowboat? You know where you've been. You see the, the, the wake of his faithfulness. You see what he has already done in your life. You see where he's taken. You see the results of following him. You see the benefits. You also can also see the the. The, the disasters you've made of your own life. Anybody ever taken the rowboat and gone your own way and it's been a disaster? That's why I got saved. It was like, God, I don't want to go this way anymore. I'm tired of rowing myself into trouble. That's the greatest thing for me about heaven is I'm never going to get in trouble again. Anybody else looking forward to that? Because I'm going to be perfect. And guess what? Y'all are going to be perfect. So you're not going to be ticking me off. <laughs> <laughs> You know it's y'all's fault, man. You're, you're messing with, you know, you're, it's your imperfection that's making me not be perfect. Hey, no, that's not what it is. But don't we think that? Well, if that snowbird would learn how to drive, right, Mac? But now we see we have this bond, cheese and crackers, man. I'm the cracker and you're the cheese. And what an awesome relationship we have. All you Wisconsin people, y'all are, are my cheese. You're the cheese to my cracker, man. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so here we are, man. We're rowing that boat. We're rowing that boat, man. And I don't know where I'm going, but can I trust the one that's leading me? Yeah, I'm trusting him for eternity. I should be able to trust him for this little hundred grains of sand that's left of life if I even have that long. I should be able to trust him. So, man, I just, what do you want me to do now? Do it. Moment by moment, give us this day, our daily bread. We're going to see walk. And when you walk, how many steps do you take at a time when you walk? One. 
Now you got them fancy watches and all those things. We're like, oh, I did 8,540. That's all you did, man? But they add up, don't they? But it's one step at a time. So we pull or and we're going and we're moving. And we don't know where we're going. We barely know where we're at. But we do know the wake of his faithfulness. How many of y'all can look behind your rowboat and testify with surety that you know where God has taken you and it has been some awesome places? Can anybody testify? I'm not trying to get a rah-rah pep rally. But reality, can you testify? Anyone? Yeah. We know that he's taken us places we could never go on our own. He's done things that we could never do on our own. Man, it's so cool to give him credit and glory for it all and be a part of things that are so supernatural that only he can get blamed. Amen? Yeah. So that's where we're at. You were not purchased by Christ. You were not picked by God the Father, and you're not being protected by the Holy Spirit of God as we learned in Ephesians in the beginning. We, you know, He gives us all that doctrine of, of, of our wealth in Christ. Now he's going to tell us how to walk in Christ. And so he says, you are not purchased. You are not being protected, and you were not picked by God so that you can be tied up to the dock and idle. Amen? Hey, my new motor. How many of prayed for my new motor? Remember when I brought it up like just Every once in a while in church? No, just, <laughs> dude, that's life. How can you pastor a church without a boat? And how can you have a boat without a motor? <laughs> Maybe a sailboat. But I'm just saying, man, what if I were to tell you every week, yeah, man, dude, it's this motor so awesome. We backed up. I back up to Stan Blum. Oh, I got it down pat, man. I know just how, how much of my fender's got to be in there. I slam on the brake. It slides off. And then I push it off and I go and I tie it to the dock. Is that not an awesome motor, Steve? No. But that's what we present so often as Christianity to people. Oh, dude. <laughs> They're like, well, dang, I'd rather be doing this or whatever. This is where we get our batteries charged. And we go out in life, man, and we crank up that motor, get it out of neutral, let God do what he wants to do. There's nothing impressive about a boat motor when it is at the dock. Hey, you, uh, Gavin, you said, what was that? How did you test the boat? You, you do what kind of test? A sea test. Yeah. You didn't. In the dock? Yeah, you got away from it. Where'd you go? Did you go out in the water? Did you fire it up? That's when you found out your gauges didn't work, right? But uh, man, it was going. You, you sea tested it. You know, a faith that's never been tested can't be trusted. Dude, but can you trust the faith that God has given you? How many of y'all have had it tested and you know it works, dude? Oh my goodness. Oh, with this boat. Oh, I cannot wait soon. God hooked me up with this $400 four-person two tube and the ropes and everything for 50 bucks. Brand spanking new. And Oh, I cannot wait. I, you know what? I've tested this motor, and I'm pretty sure that it's going to yank any of you fully mature snowbirds around. I'm saying, <laughs> any of you guys, I got, I got room to talk. But I'm just saying, man, I, put the, I could put anybody I want, and I'm pretty sure I have tested this motor to the point where I know it's going to yank this tube around. Who's signing up? First floor, man. All right, good. I see you guys. The rest of you are like, yeah, I'm going to kind of wait to see. All right. You were not purchased by Christ to be tied up at the dock and idle. That's not your purpose in life. So look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to try not to go as in-depth as I did, but man, I'm excited about Scripture. I don't know if you can tell that or not. So Paul says, I therefore, going through the first three chapters, because of all this wealth you have, here's what you get to do with it. It's not to be tied down at the dock and idle and everybody look and see how cool your boat looks. Dude, it's to go out and use it. I, therefore, man, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. God puts me in prison here, puts me in prison. I am chained to a bunch of soldiers. Everybody in Caesar's house has heard the gospel. I'm now writing this stuff to you, which I wouldn't be. God's putting me where he wants me to do what he wants me to do in all of this. So he's saying, so I know there's a cost to it. I, I'm not just telling you to do something I wouldn't do. I'm not telling you to invest in a way that I wouldn't invest, and I already have. He said, therefore, because of what wealth we have, here's what I want you to do. I urge you to what? What's the next word? Walk. Because of the wealth you have in Christ, I want you to walk. I want, again, did he say, I want you to jump? Okay, it's going to take you four steps. Or, all right, one, two, uh, uh, 
How many of y'all like jumping instead of walking me? You'd like to just cover more ground, right? Any jumpers here? <laughs> Don't jump. No, dude, but that's it. He said, I want you to walk. I don't want you to do the long jump as impressive as that is and skip all those steps. How many of you ever have done a long jump and you ended up and you're like, okay, now what? And God said, well, you kind of missed the whole point. It wasn't about the destination. It was about the journey. It was about each step that I had you take. There was something to do in each one of those, something for you to learn, something for you to experience, some way for you to know more about how much I love you from each of these steps. Take it easy. Take it easy. I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk. That walking is active. It's not passive. And, so, and it's some of the hardest stuff to do in life is to walk. Sometimes it'd be easier to run or to jump or to fly to get it over with. Walking is mundane sometimes, but it's also when you see the coolest stuff, right? He said, man, I urge you to walk. And he said, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Again, we talked about last week, this manner worthy is talking about the scales that you used to see at the supermarket. You used to see at the, sometimes you still see it at a produce place. You see that, and, and, and they would put like a, a pound of cabbage over here. And if you had a pound of cabbage, how much weight would you have to, be, uh, have to put over here to find out you had a pound of cabbage? A pound, right? So if, if, you're, if your faith that God gave you is only worth a pound, then only put a pound on there, and that balances out. But what if you got 10 pounds of cabbage on that side? Dude, how much weight do you need to put to balance that out? 10 pounds. How much is your faith worth to you? Knowing that you could never balance it out. Knowing that you could never pay it back. You're not being expected. But what he's saying is, I want you to realize what you have in a faith with me and in eternity in heaven with perfect people in a perfect place forever. I want you to realize what you have. And then you give me, the other side of the scale while you're here on this planet, to show me how much you think you got. You know, if you give God that much, what are you telling him he's worth? That much. You give him this much, what are you telling him he's worth? More than that, right? That's what this says. Walk in a manner worthy. If he's only worth Sunday morning to you, if he's only worth five minutes in a devotion, if he's only worth, oh, you know, a, a little short prayer, then that, then give him that. But you know what? That's all the worth you're going to probably realize from him. When you give him it all, dude, you start realizing how much he's worth. You get out of it what you put into it. it can you outgive God? Can you, out, you can never even put enough on that scale to weigh out what you already have, but he wants you to realize what it's worth to you. He says, so walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So the manner in which you walk, you're showing everyone, including yourself, how much you think your relationship with him is worth. So here's a personal question. I don't want you to answer out loud. Personally, right now, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you by your actions how much your walk with him is worth, how much the calling to heaven is worth in him. So he said, walk in a manner worth the calling to which you've been called. The calling to which you've been called. The calling is, again, heaven. You have been called to be a child of the kingdom, and one day, very shortly, you will be in heaven. Look around. How many of y'all think there's some people going to get there quicker than others? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. And you can't tell by the age, man. Anything could happen. But the fact is, we're all going to be there. We're going to meet our maker. If you've got Christ, you're going to heaven. Anyone without Christ is not. That's what Scripture teaches. It's not my words. It's His. He's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You either have the faith to believe that or you don't. If you have the faith to believe it, God gave you that faith. And if you truly believe it, man, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Eternity. Dude, I'm getting ready to go on a pretty cool vacation, little vacation that got us for, Christ for Christmas. And um, of course, they're going with us, and that's awesome, man. Can't wait to take Keone to the fort and see pirate stuff and all that. But man, I, man, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to go. I, I think this place is in Mill Creek, man, somewhere. And that used to be like Redneckville. In fact, my first day of college, I got beat up by a bunch of guys from Mill Creek. I'll tell you that story later on the boat or whatever. But 
Now it's a golf community. So <laughs> I'm actually going into a giant golf community that they ruined good pasture and built condos and in the middle of nowhere. And, 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 and so y'all pray going in the middle of a golf community. <laughs> and I don't even have golf shoes, man, or golf pants or none of that. Some of y'all could loan me some, right? But, but dude, uh, we're going to be there. It's going to be beautiful. I looked at the place for staying, man. They got in big old bathtubs. You're like, I got a big bathtub, man. Well, you ain't never invited me, but I'm just saying, <laughs> dude, these are indoor hot tubs, man. That's the way I look at it. No, <laughs> but they got all kinds. It's pretty cool thing. And I'm getting to go. I just get to get away for a couple of days. Get to go to St. Augustine downtown in my old haunt because I played baseball at Flagler College back in the 80s. And I lived in St. Augustine for seven years, thought I was going to stay there. But God brought me back to Orlando to save me. But it's going to be a cool trip. I'm looking forward to it. But guess how long it lasts? Scott, how long is it going to last? Two days, dude. I'm spending a night and tomorrow night, Tuesday, I'm going to be like, all right, let's go home. Heaven, how long is that going to last? All expense paid trip to paradise. Yeah, I'm going to kind of want to, you know, while we're there, St. Augustine, I'm looking forward to maybe Columbia Restaurant. And and all I'm looking for, man, when I was poor working at a kite shop, this one old lady, she's hooking up with a a thing of black beans and a little loaf of Cuban bread. And I lived off that forever. So that's all I really want. But I want to eat that at, at, at Columbia. Man, I hope we can afford it. (laughs) am i going to worry about affording anything in heaven no all expense paid trip to paradise for how long how much is that worth to you how much it's worth everything when you realize that's why we read the word of god that's why we learn about god that's why we encourage each other that's why we walk with him so he can show us how awesome he is and it's like oh my goodness this is so worth it it's, so he said, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worth the calling to which you've been called. So check and ask the Holy Spirit to show you how worth you think his call, how much worth his calling on your life is. But in order to fulfill our purpose, we weren't bought and purchased to sit at the dock and idle. So what were we purchased to do? We were purchased to be used by him to fulfill our purpose. Christ must have complete control of our helm. That helm, dude, as far as I know, help me out my terminology, Captain Mac. Dude, on my helm, I've got a steering wheel. And does God have your steering wheel? Or do you got a steering wheel? God's turning this way, and you're like jerking the steering wheel over here. How many of y'all are a jerk when it comes to steering? No, I'm just joking. But yeah, you're jerking around over here, over here. Dude, we're going to find out, man, when God's steering, dude, it's smooth. How about on the throttle, man? You ever been on a boat with me and I accidentally jammed the throttle forward? What happens when I jam the throttle forward, Captain Mac? What does everybody on the boat do? Whoa, they fall backwards. When God's got the throttle, dude, you're not falling backwards forward. It's just like, ooh, and you're like, yeah, this is cool. It's not, it's not jerk like that. So to fulfill our purpose, Christ must have complete control of the helm. You know what else I have on my helm now that I never had before? Dude, I have a horn. Dude, that horn is so awesome, man. Y'all are like, dude, you're supposed to have a horn legally. I did have one of these, but have you ever seen people abuse a horn? Have you ever been honked at out in the road? All right. And when I went to Trinidad for the very first time, I saw for the very first time in my life, people using horns appropriately. Literally, everybody's honking, but it's in a good way. It's like, they know how, they have finesse when they touch a horn. America, we're like, You know, some of y'all even put truck horns in and you're like, you hear a big truck and it's like a VW behind you. You're like, dang. But there it's the finesse. It's like, little means, hey, I'm getting ready to pass you. So pay attention to me, man. You hear a truck coming down the mountain in Jamaica. It's like, he's not being rude. He's telling you find a place to come over because there's only room for one of us. And you got a better chance of stopping than me. And so it's an informative thing. And so there's finesse on that horn. I'm getting used to my horn button on the boat because first time I'm doing it, I, I, first of all, I got to realize where the horn is. And anybody sitting in that seat in front, they get it right in their ear, don't they, Ashley? Yeah, are you still deaf right now? <laughs> I, yeah, but every bit of the helm from the bilge pump to the horn to, to everything, he's got to have control. 
in all of that. So to fill our purpose in Christ, Christ must have complete control of our helm. Look at these next couple of verses real quick before we get into the new stuff. This is where we kind of ended and started last week, but it says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I'll just go ahead and read it. It says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So let's look at this super, because what he's telling us what it means to have humility is Christ has complete control of your helm. He has complete control of your helm. And if you're a leader, you've got to let Christ have complete control of your helm. How many of you have had control of your helm and you have had jerky movement? You've watched life go, Whoa, and then all of a sudden it slams shut. Now you're in reverse. Now you're in full. I mean, how many of y'all ever almost got seasick? because of the direction and, and, and the, the jerkiness to which life moves sometimes. When God's moving, he's going to be the master and he's going to have a smooth control of that helm. But we've got to let him have control. What if God is moving forward, but he's going faster than we like? Anybody want to grab the throttle and yank it back? Any of y'all ever done that? How about if God's not going fast enough? Any of y'all here experience that where God's not going fast enough and you're putzing? Your putts and you're like, come on. We're going to talk about that with patience in a minute. How many of you have ever taken the throttle or helped God out and pushed the throttle forward? You ever done that? And all of a sudden you're jerked back again. You're out of control. God can steer, God can do it. But the fact is he needs to have total control of our throttle. And, and he only has it by humility. Humility is putting God first other second, and then we are last. We are third. That is what the entire Bible teaches. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Who do you love next? Others. You're like, well, what about me? Oprah said I got to love me first so I can love others. No, that's straight from the pit of hell. The world says they're upside down. They're like, I got to love me. I got to have my self-esteem. I got to have all. Once I'm good, then I can love others. How many of y'all ever been good? How many of y'all ever achieved that for more than five minutes? <laughs> right? It's to get you on more prescriptions, more programs, more plans, more, more promotions, more whatever. You get good. Then you'll be good enough to help others. No, I'm going to tell you what happens. When you give your life to Christ, he get, how many of y'all, did he change your desires when you gave him your life to him? Yeah, he changed your desires. He gave you the desire and ability to do what would keep you out of trouble, the stuff that was good for you. And then you do that good, and guess who it's for? It's for him, but he uses you to do it for others, and there's a benefit to that. How many of y'all like people that do things for you? All right, let me ask you a question. Because that sounds like kind of like you're a sponge, right? Yeah, I only like people to do something. That's not what I mean. How many of y'all like people that are only out for themselves? How many? All right, so who would rather hang out with people that are always trying to do things for them or, or hang out with people that only do stuff for themselves? Which one do you want to be with? Yeah, in fact, that's what the word submission means in Scripture. Wife, submit to your husbands. Employers, employees, submit to your employers. Children, submit to your parents. And in, he says, all of us submit to each other. And that word submit's a military term that means to line up underneath somebody and do everything in your power to make them a success. Dude, Bonnie, do you not want to hang out with people that their whole purpose in life is to make you a success? Would you rather be with those people that are trying to make you a success with everything they do or people that are always trying to make themselves a success? Yeah. Everybody likes that. And that's what our relationship with everyone is supposed to be like. And you know you're filled with the Spirit when that's how you are acting. If, you're, if it's all about you, dude, it's not happening. So he says, with all humility, here's what's going to happen. Gentleness. You're going to know you're, you're humble because you're gentle. That's the word meekness, which is power under control. The throttle is gently going forward, gently going back. If you've got jerking going on in your life, and you're seasick from the motion of not knowing where I'm going and what direction I'm going, chances are you're the one running the throttle. You're the one that's steering, you know, because you don't really know where to go. This looks good. Oh, no, there's a buoy. This looks good. Oh, there's, a, you know, you don't know where you're going. God knows the future. He knows the past, the present, and the future. Let him have the steering wheel. The hell, what, what's it called, Captain? The wheel, the, give me the official nautical term for that. Is it steering wheel? 
helm. Yeah, okay, that's the steering wheel's a helm. I, I just thought the whole thing was a helm, bro. See, I got a lot, y'all got a lot of working to do on me. The wheel, yeah. Let Jesus have the wheel. Somebody ought to write a song about that. Y'all seen the meme though? Have y'all seen the meme where somebody's flying in an old car and the right front tire flies off and they're like, not that wheel, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, I took one, man. Now what you gonna do? <laughs> With all humility, gentleness, and patience. Patience isn't in a hurry. Have you ever, how many of y'all are patient, but you're not in a good mood when you're patient? <laughs> hey! I can wait as long as it's going to take. How much longer? You know, it's like you don't actually push the throttle forward, but you're a pretty grumpy cuss when it comes to just sitting there. You are not fun. And the person driving, Jesus is like, I'm get, believe me, I cannot wait to get you out of the boat. No, no, I'm just, no, not doing that. But you know what I'm talking about? Patience can endure. Patience, you know you've given the steering wheel to Christ. Because you don't care how long it takes. You don't even care if it's fixing to happen right now. How many of y'all freak out when it's like, okay, make it happen. All of a sudden it's happening. You're like, oh, not yet. He's like, well, dude, you were like in a hurry. Now you want to wait. It's like, it's like the weather, man. Aren't you glad God's in control of the weather? Well, y'all want it hot. Now you want it cold. What do you want? When you want what God wants, you get what you want. That's what humility is, turning the whole helm over to God, letting him run the throttle, the steering wheel, the horn, the bilge, the whole nine yards, and he's moving smooth, and you're patient. You don't care that it's going to take 20 more minutes in five-foot chop, Barb. Barb, man, because Bill and them, they they only come out of Fort Pierce if it's less than 15. Why is that? Have you been to Fort Pierce and back in more than 15-mile-an-hour winds? And Barb, what was it like? Yeah, white knuckle, it was treacherous. But again, some parts of life, you're bouncing on the chop, dude. But progress is direction, not speed. And you're moving forward. But it's like, I wish it were five more minutes, but God says, no, you got about 20 more. But believe me, in that extra 15 minutes, he's teaching you something. Trust him. And what he taught y'all is don't go out in more than 10 mile an hour winds, right? Y'all are sharp cookies. All right, but with all humility and gentleness, with patience. And look at this, bearing, holding others up, bearing one another. Who, who are you not bearing if you're bearing one another? Yeah. Steve, I was going to say, can you come lift me up? You could, but it, you, they'll get the picture. No, it would be so awesome if you two like, just lifted me up. If, if, hey, come, come over here, man. They got this mental picture here. All right. I'm trusting you guys. Don't drop me. <laughs> all right. All right. So. So I'm not sure how you guys are going to do this. All right. They're lifting me up. Woo. Nothing's hanging out, right? <laughs> All right. If they're lifting me up, who are they not lifting up? Themselves. And guess what? When they put me down, gently. All right. God doesn't always do that. When they put me down, guess what? There's somebody else to be lifted up. How many of y'all know people that you could lift up spiritually? Yeah. And if you're busy lifting others up, who can you not have a pity party with? yourself. That's why he says bearing with one another. Bearing is active. Bearing with one another in what? Love. Not in, well, I hope this is worth it, man. <laughs> you know, everybody, hey, y'all, look at a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, there's not much notoriety in lifting me up, unless my pants split, but that would have been something, but fortunately they did not. <laughs> but bearing one another in love, and this love is agape love. This is God love. It can only come from one source, which is God. You don't have it in you. Even as a believer, you can't muster it up in your flesh. You have to go to God and say, God, I need this agape love to be able to love somebody that's not being lovable. Because if you're bearing them up, they're not holding their own. You, they need work. They need something they can't provide, or maybe they don't want to. You're lifting them up in love that God gives you love for them. Man. And if you're busy doing that, you know what that shows? It proves that you have humility. It proves that God's got your throttle. Hey, God, I want you to lift these guys up. Oh, really, dude? I already did that once. In this. Hey, God, I want you all to lift me up again. No, I'm just, I'm not. 
I just did it. God wants you to do it again. I just did it three times, one service. God wants you to do it again. And if God's got the throttle, you just keep doing it. But if you're busy lifting others up, who can you not be in a pity party with again? When life turns around and it's all about you, Christ does not have the helm. Oprah does. I don't even know. Is Oprah even still have a show or Dr. Phil or any of those guys? He's running for something. But I'm just saying that's the world's philosophy. Love yourself. And once you're full of enough love, like a juicy mango, you can squeeze it out on everyone. And then if you got time, love God. No, it's backwards. It's backwards. It's backwards. God says, love me, dude. You love me, you'll be full of my love, and you'll be able to love the people that are around you, and you, there will be plenty of benefit for you in that. How many of y'all ever had God use you to love somebody? And how many of y'all are like, that was the worst thing, I swear, I hope it never happens again. How many of y'all are like, dude, that was cool. I know that wasn't me, that was God, because I know how unlovable they are. And it was funny, Bill and Barb both raised their hand. Are y'all talking about each other? <laughs> I'm just joking. That's how marriage is sometimes, but I'm just, no, I'm giving them a hard time. But when you love God, he calls you to love people. And then, and, and the benefit comes to you, bearing with one another in love. Look at this, eager. What does it mean to be eager? It means that's your one track mind. You're like, dude, okay, I got to do this. I got to do this, but I'm eager to go do this. Man, you want to go do this. This is your priority. Eager to maintain. Maintain is maintenance. On a boat, dude, on the boat motor, there's lots of maintenance to do. What happens if you don't do the maintenance? Yeah, Bob, if you don't ever change the oil until it really, 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 really needs to change the oil, it might be too late, right? You don't change the bearing. You don't change the, uh, the seals. Oh, well, I still had a little oil in there. Why do I need to change the seal? Well, it's all gone now. Let's put a new seal. But what? You've messed everything else up in the motor. Maintenance is part of your spiritual walk. Eager to maintain. If you are humble, he says, you're going to know it because you are patient and you have meekness, power under control, man. And, 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 and you're going to have love for people that aren't lovable and you're going to be eager. That's what your priority is, is to maintain what? What's the next word? Unity. Does not the world want unity? I read where every single peace treaty that's ever made, and y'all do this in homeschool project. Look it up for me because y'all are at that age. See if you can ever find a peace treaty that was made by anyone that's still good. I had read recently that every single peace treaty, any government, anybody ever made has been broken. You can't do it without the principle. But there might be some, it's just nobody, maybe they just don't live together anymore. I don't know. But I'm just saying, eager to maintain the unity. Not, not unity where, okay, well, you believe in Christ. I believe in Buddha. Okay, so let's create a new Buddha Christ. <laughs> Let, let's create a new, I'm not talking ecumenicism because Jesus already did make it exclusive. Said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody can come to me except through the Father. He made it exclusive. All right, in all of that. And when you have him live inside you, you're okay with that. You believe that. He, even if you thought it was ridiculous at one point, now God has given you the ability to believe. But he said, eager to maintain the unity of the what? The Spirit. The Spirit is God the Father. The Spirit is Jesus, the, the, the Trinity. We don't understand it. One day we will in our finite minds be able to, but we know that's God. And so you give God the control of the helm. So the Spirit has control of the helm. And so when the Spirit is controlling my helm and your 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 helm, if the Spirit's truly controlling all of our helms, is that correct? Or is helm just that thing? It can The bridge. All right, he's controlling the bridge. Change that if we don't finish this message next week, but we were going to finish it. If the Spirit's controlling our entire bridge, all of us, are we going to be fighting? No. But Marissa, are we going to all be doing it exactly the same? No, you couldn't do it like Ryan if you tried. Nobody can do it like Ryan. You, your buds, you can't even do it like Ryan. He can't do it like you. How many of y'all think you could do stuff like Marissa? No, she's Marissa. Is there any other Marissa uh, Teacotch? Teacotch. Teacotch. I can't. Is there any other Marissa Teacotch in this universe? Now, some of y'all could probably do a few impressions of her. And I was, if we had more time, I'd have you come up and go to the drums and do an impression of Marissa. All right. But, but literally, is there another, is there another Gary Bowling anywhere in this universe? 
No, he broke the daggum mold because you are that special. And that's true with every one of us in here. So again, if we all, you know what's the common denominator? It is the spirit of God in us. He takes our personalities. He takes our temperaments. He takes the things we like, the things we're good at. He takes our experiences. He takes our spiritual gifts that we'll be learning about next week. He'll be taking all of those things and use them in a unique way, but he's guiding and directing and there is no fighting. He's the ultimate manager the ultimate person to be able to put it all together. How do we do it? Well, everybody's just got to do it this way. No, man, isn't it amazing that he has you be unique? How many of y'all ever had somebody tell you that, man, there ain't nobody like you, man. <laughs> You're pretty weird. <laughs> I'm, if nobody's told you, I want to tell you that right now. I am looking at every one of you and y'all are weird in a good way. You're different. And, and again, if you're not being you, who are you being? Who are you being? Somebody else, right? And are you going to be as good at being somebody else as you are at being you? And if you're not being you, and you didn't even think it was worth being you, Paige, I'm not picking on you on purpose. I'm not saying, oh, yeah, Paige is doing, we've been dealing with this. She's like schizophrenic and all that. No. If you're not being you, and you don't even think it's worth being you, is anybody else going to try to be you? No, dude. And if you weren't necessary, would God have made you? Yeah, he made you. You're necessary. And you're the only one who can be you. So be you. Look at Alex. He's being Alex, right? Does Alex have a problem being Alex? No. <laughs> and, and, and I'm just saying, that's who we've got to be is who God created us to be. But we're filled with the spirit and he uses us to accomplish things in the way. But it's all the same thing that we accomplish as we're going to see when I get to this new stuff. <laughs> I promise it's coming. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit you know how you know it? You have peace. It's in the bond of peace. Because even though you want to do it this way, you want to do it this way, you want, guess what? We have peace. Peace is a fruit of what? The Spirit. When you're full of the Spirit, you have love. Have you heard that today? You have patience. You heard that today? You have goodness, gentleness, meekness. You, you, you have peace. You have all these things. He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It only happens when you give Jesus total control of the helm in all of that. So when Christ has complete control of our helm, we have only one purpose, and that is to become a rescue ship for Christ, not a cruise ship. I want to address that just a little bit. How many of y'all remember the love boat? Y'all remember that show? Anybody old enough to remember the love boat? If not, dude, go find it. It's hilarious, dude. First of all, there was a totally politically incorrect guy named Tattoo that we, they would say today. And you remember what he used to always say at the beginning of the show? Help me out. Help me out. Come on, say it like you love it. The plane, the plane, the plane. That's how it all started out. This little short dude named Tattoo. I, I can't even believe I remembered that. Don't hold this against me being political. But you remember, dude, there would be a... Oh, that was Fantasy Island? See, I didn't remember it, but it, dude, they were the same, all right? Yeah, they were the same, man. It was like a sequel, but anyways. All right, so was Captain Steubing? He was on the love boat. Oh, who were the other love boat guys? Help me out. Oh, Isaac. Isaac was cool, dude. I wanted to be a black guy because of Isaac. I'm just saying Isaac was cool. And I wanted to be like Isaac, man. But I knew I never had any hope on that, right? And uh, so anyways, but everybody on the love ship from Captain Steubing all the way down, what was their whole goal in life? <laughs> to make everybody happy. Yes. Well, well. You know, he was supposed to put a mint on your pillow and have your have your little towel made into like a flamingo or something and, and change the, the temperature, make sure that you had activities you liked and tailor-made for you. How many of y'all ever seen people try to treat a church like that? Yeah. I'm going to have to go back and watch that Fantasy Island. Yeah, you're right. The plane, the plane. Same thing. It's an island where their whole job was to do what? Make you happy. You know what? I heard this in seminary. I heard, it, I heard it later from some guy who was an evangelist. And what he said to me one time, he said, here's what the problem in church is. He said, you pastors, you think your job is to comfort the, 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 the afflicted. You think your job is to comfort the afflicted. He said, you know what my job as an evangelist is? To afflict the comforted. 
<laughs> so I don't know what I am, man. I hope you know I love you, but with the word, man, there needs to be comfort, but there needs to be conviction. We preach the truth. And if it's what you're doing, you're like, yeah, right on. If it's not, you're like, hmm, how am I going to respond to that one? But yeah, the pastors became people like love boat captains. They became Captain Stubings. Where, oh, is the temperature okay? Oh, hey, you, I mean, just uh, everything is about your comfort here. Have you gathered that that's what we're doing right now? I mean, that's why we're so prompt and timely for those of you looking at your watch right now. I'm just saying. <laughs> I hear your stomachs rumbling. They've only got one verse left. But, but again, this is what God told us to do. If you want a church that has an order of service down to the second and it's on the clock actually ticking down, which actually I have a clock here, but they don't show you that one. It's like, you want that? There's a hundred churches like that. And again, I'm not trying to say go and I'm not trying to be, I'm just saying as best we can, we're doing what God wants you to do in all of this. So I'm just saying when Christ has complete control of our helm, we have one purpose. My purpose is basic training. And then it's specialty training. We're in the military. We are soldiers in the Lord's army. And our training is the word of God. How many of y'all, if you were really going to go get deployed into the Ukraine or whatever, you'd like the guy say, yeah, just here's the highlights. <laughs> go, go, go wing it. Go figure it out on your own for five minutes a day. Here's the manual. Go read it on your own. How many of y'all like that? Or would you really, when it's a life and death situation, how many of y'all would like to have some in-depth training? That's what this is. You're in a battlefield between God and the devil, and it starts in your mind. That's why our mind's got to be renewed by the Word of God. So, man, we only have, and we only have one purpose. And if you didn't know the Word of God, you'd think you had a purpose. You church was where you pay the big bucks, they hire the big people, they do all the ministry, and you are just satisfied. That's not it. You are not purchased by Christ to sit at the dock and idle. You give him complete control, and he's got a plan for you. And every moment of every day, you're going to be involved with something that you're going to one day have to give an account to him for. How did you use your life? How did you use the resources? How did you use the wisdom? How did you use everything that you have? And what is it that you want to hear from him? Yeah, well done, good and faithful servant. What moment of your day are you not going to be accountable to God for? You're going to be accountable. That doesn't mean you lose your salvation. But man, that's you are on a mission. This is not a cruise ship. Oh, the buffet's open. Let's all go get the shrimp and lobster. And, you know, yeah, that'd be awesome if that happens. That's where he has you doing ministry. Great. But we are on a rescue ship. Look at this super quick. And notice the number he uses here. He uses the number one seven times in this verse. There's how many bodies? But I see a bunch of you bodies. <laughs> it, there's one body. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about the body of Christ. The universal church. Not that the whole universe is part of the church, but every single person that he has picked from before eternity that Christ has purchased and the Holy Spirit is protecting, according to Ephesians 1. Every single person who by grace has given the life to him and said, I surrender everything I know about myself to everything I know about you. I don't know how it's going to work out, but dude, I'm tired of being the boss and I'm yours. Everyone, how many of y'all done that before? Anybody done that? Dude, we got a bunch of lost people in here, man. I'm just messing with you guys. But listen, anyone who's done that, you are part of this one body. So how many churches are there? There's one. Tons of denominations, tons of things. And you know how most all those things got started? Because somebody made it more about them than they made it about God. Because there's one body, he says. And that's what we've got. But when all of a sudden my preferences take priority over God's principles, guess what? I'll go start my own church. I'll go start my own I'll start. But it's all about being one body for Christ. We can look like, dude, there can be a sweatpants church. <laughs> Zane's pastor it. No, I'm just like, <laughs> you can wear shorts and no shoes church. You can have a foot. Well, it's not about those things. What it's about is the one body believing the same thing because God has put it in your heart and soul. One body. And look at this. One what? One spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. And so if I'm full of spirit and Gavin's full of spirit, is it two different spirits, bro? No, not if it's the Holy Spirit. And he's not going to cause us to go against God's word or fight each other. 
He's going to create unity, one body. That's all of us. We have one spirit in that one body. And he says, just as you were called to the, what? One hope. What is our one hope? According to Jude, what's the blessed hope? The only hope is that you're going to end up. How many of y'all are hoping that you get to stay here on this planet forever? Yeah. You're, man, you, we're going to turn it around. It's all going to be good. We're going to be back to normal. Uh, I really hope you don't believe that because I don't even know what normal was or is. It's always, they, look at history. History repeats itself. The only thing we learn from history, we don't learn. So again, you want to be in the cycle, figure out where you're at and make the best of it. But this is not my hope. This is not my home. My home and my hope is where? Yeah, dude, you're going to be perfect. Can you believe that? I mean, yeah. I mean, you realize, again, not you particular, but I know your heart. You know you're not perfect, right? I mean, there are some people that try to say, oh, yeah, I'm perfect. And they convince themselves they are. You know better. I know better. But in heaven, we're going to be perfect. And you know what, Marissa, can she ever like get on your nerves? Can she ever get on your nerves? I'm just going to say, yeah, because she gets on mine sometimes. But I love her. <laughs> That's who she is. There's her dad. Her dad loves her. But yeah. We, all right. So have I ever got anybody's nerves? Yes. Right now I'm on your nerves. Yeah. But guess what? In heaven, <laughs> she's going to be perfect. And you're going to be perfect. So it's all going to be perfect. And God's going to be perfect. And heaven's going to be perfect. And it's going to be forever. That's our hope. He says, and you go look anywhere in the New Testament on that word hope. That is what the New Testament writers, that even in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith of all the Testament saints, their hope wasn't in what they were going to accomplish here. They were a small part of God's bigger plan, and they were looking for the city that God built later. They were looking forward to heaven. Man, we're one body, one spirit, and just as you were called to the what? The one hope, which is eternity in heaven. That's forever, dude. That's it. He said, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. He says, one Lord. All right, so he switches from the Holy Spirit now to Jesus. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Lord. What does the word Lord mean? Boss. One boss. How many of y'all, how many of y'all like when somebody gets promoted at work and now you got three bosses? Oh, how easy is it to, uh, to, to please all your different bosses? We live for an audience of one. We have one Lord. He is our boss eternally over your other boss. Guess what? You're pleasing him. You're doing what he wants you to do. And it doesn't work out with earthly boss. Maybe you're not supposed to be there. Maybe God's got another place for you. But I, you can't show me anywhere in scripture where it says, don't seek first, don't seek always, don't seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything. You can't tell me. That's not our job. So he says, one Lord, one faith. And the faith is in Jesus Christ as being our Savior. And when he talks about one baptism, that baptism is either talking about when you get saved and now you are baptized into the body of Christ, or it's talking about your water baptism that represents that. But what that word baptism is talking about is when you became part of this one body that you now believe this one faith and you believe there is one Lord, one boss, and you had the desire and ability to follow him. One God. Now he goes, he went from the spirit to Jesus. Now he's going to God, the father. Look at this one God. How many gods are there? Yeah. World doesn't believe that, man. You can go this way. You can go this way. God made himself exclusive. And if you're a believer, he gave you the desire and ability to believe it. If you cannot believe that God didn't give it to you yet. But if you ever do get the desire and ability to truly believe you need a savior and Christ is it, dude, you got to go for it. He said, it's like the wind. You don't know when it's coming. You don't know when it's leaving, but you know when it's there. And if you're like, dude, I'll fly a kite another day. <laughs> Guess what? There may not be any wind tomorrow. And without him giving you a desire, you can't give your life to him. He said, one God and father of what? all. He's totally sovereign, totally in control, who is over all. So what's he over? Everything. And he is through all. So he's everywhere. He is all that there, all that there is. Now, again, uh, 
Let me, uh, oh, here we go. We'll use this. Uh, we'll use, what does Zane call this thing? The praise kettle? <laughs> That's cool. That's his word, man. This is actually the joy bucket for some of us. And back in the day, we had a praise jar that was beautiful jar. But one day I got excited and I kicked it over on accident and I couldn't put it back together. Nobody donated enough gold to put it together with gold filigree. And we didn't think that, you know, hot glue would look good. But so in this, if you will, in Ephesians 1, I think it's in the message, somewhere right around there. He says, what? You guys are mistaken. He said, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world's peripheral to the church. In other words, what that means is he said, here's the church. And by church, I'm not talking about driftwood. I'm not talking about Baptists, Episcopalian, Catholic. I'm, not, I'm talking about the body of believers that we already covered. He said, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world's peripheral to the church. So here's the church. Here's Christ. And everything that is not in Christ is hanging on the side. We, many people like to believe, here's the world. Oh, here's, the, here's your church. Here's this church. Here's my hobby. Here's what I believe. Here's the deal I made with God. Here's my job. Here's, everything's hanging on the world and you can have whatever you want. He said, no, 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 no. The only thing in the end that's going to be left is the what? The church. This is it. This is the bucket you want to get in. Because one day it's all going to end. And when it ends, it's going to be too late to get in the bucket unless you're already in. And so this is the church. And through grace and faith, he gives you the desire and ability, if you're hanging on the outside, to come in. But God uses people. How many of you came to the Lord because he used somebody to bring you to the Lord? Very few people get saved by themselves. It's somebody who tells them, somebody praying for them. Somebody says, here's what's got to, here's what the Bible teaches. And you're just like, well, where do I sign? It's like, all of a sudden it's not foolishness anymore. It makes total sense when the Holy Spirit does that in your life. And so all of a sudden you are now in Christ. And how long, Scott, are you going to be in Christ? Forever. Can anybody pull you out, Steve? Once you're in, you're in. And when this bucket, when it's all over, guess where this bucket in Christ is going, y'all? It's going to heaven. Unfortunately, anything and everything from people to souls to, to possessions to anything we're selling our soul for, everything that's not in this bucket is destroyed. And if it's a person in their soul, they go to hell forever. But it's not because God did not love them. And it's not because God did not make a way for them. But it was pride that said, no, no. I, I'm still not there. Nope, I'm going to wait. No, I'm going to do it. God has picked you and brought you in here. And this is the battleship. This is the rescue ship, if you will. This is our one hope. The ship is going around. And Tara, when you're at the fair, what's the purpose of this ship? If you're in the ship, what's the purpose? Man, they just had the wrong corn dogs. My corn dog place wasn't open. Oh, you know, I like this. No, your purpose is a rescue ship. You're showing people what God looks like and you're helping them see life from God's perspective. And if they say, can I get in this ship? You introduce them to God and he lifts them in the ship. That's our one purpose in all of this. One God and father of us all who is over all and through all. And how many of y'all kind of get the inkling that may be getting ready to, to split, <laughs> getting ready to leave port? There's a lot in, I don't know when, I don't know how, but you could die before that. You're still in Christ. You're going. But the fact is, things are getting crazy in this world, right? So, man, what I want to share with you guys, closing all this up, JJ, I'm not moving forward here. There is no neutral. As a believer, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. You are not purchased to be tied up at the dock and not die. But <laughs> that was from last week. Might as well die. You weren't purchased to be tied up at the dock and idle. <laughs> that was not your purpose. <laughs> but to fill, fulfill our purpose, Christ must have complete control of the helm. Complete control. And based on the things in that verse, you know whether he's got control or not. And when Christ has complete control of our helm, even though we're all radically different, he's got us on the same mission. Your ship may look a little bit different, man, but you know what? It's a rescue ship. And you notice when we kind of make life about us and it's about a cruise ship, we know that we need to have revival. We know we need to turn it around because when we love God, he causes to love others. And when we love others, man, the benefit comes from us. Don't let the world turn it around.
So we're a cruise ship, not a rescue ship. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. And Father, thank you for, um, Father, thanks for giving me this message to be able to apply to my life. Whenever I'm making it about me <laughs> and I'm not happy with the cruise ship and I want to go complain to uh, Captain Steubing, whoever he may be, Father, and I want to tell them that things aren't working out right, Father. I, I pray that I would be reminded of this. That's not about me, man. I'm on, I'm already, got, my destination's already decided. I'm going to heaven when I die. It can't be any better than that. And Father, uh, as a believer, help me just look at that as my blessed hope. Help me recognize selfishness in my life and turn, allow you to turn that into selflessness. Father, I pray you do that with each of us. And Father, that as we're here on this planet, it would be about others and not ourselves. Because that's what your word tells us it should be. So help us use that as an alarm. I pray, Father, if there's somebody here that's not sure that they're in the body of believers, they've never surrendered everything they knew about themselves to everything they knew about you, no matter how much that was or wasn't, but they've never just surrendered. Father, I pray you'd give them the desire and ability to surrender right now everything. Father, if they're procrastinating, they're waiting because they don't know what it looks like. They're like, I don't know what's going to happen. Father, let them know that that's just exactly where we're all at too. We don't know what's next, but we know that we can look at the wake of your faithfulness from pulling both oars and know that life with you is incomparable to life on our own. It's so much better. And it's just an inkling of what we're going to have in glory. So help us be encouraged by glory. And someone who doesn't know they're a part of it, Father, I pray you, you would give them a desire they can't refuse to be a part of the family. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.